It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. I'm Brian Kilmeade. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. We got Colonel Alan West at the bottom of the hour, and most importantly, we have you. Uh, we know the President of the United States is going to be going to Ohio to take a bow in his $1.9 trillion aid package. But guess what? Republicans aren't. Uh, aren't taking part. They didn't take part. They were kind of bamboozled. More spending's coming down the line, and everything's overwhelmed by what's happening at the border, which brings me to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Something I couldn't do because of COVID all of 2020 was going to Disney World. And so now that I'm fully vaccinated and it's 2021, I'm going. It's happening. All right, coming out of COVID, schools are taking action on the new CDC guidelines to get more kids in the classroom, so they are. People are getting back to the gym to lose their quarantine 15, so they are. Gym owners saying they are busier than ever, even before the pandemic. Good, they deserve it. Are you ready to start coming out of the quarantine life, or is it too soon? And if you are, what are you doing to prepare for life getting back to normal? Number two. On the president's interview, uh, he said on taxes that anybody making more than 400000 will see a small to a significant tax increase. Did he mean individuals or households? Families. Oh, okay. Oops. I meant it's twice as significant as before uh, with Joe Biden was saying. Hard to swallow, right? The $1.9 trillion? Try $3 trillion. Some are saying $4 trillion. That's how much the new so-called infrastructure bill President Biden plans on offering. And you guessed it, jam down Republicans' throats with tax increases. Good luck. Number one. And I'll tell you the most astonishing part of it is the Biden administration is enforcing a total blackout on the press. The Biden administration wants to hide from the crisis that is unfolding on the southern border. They want to hide from the humanitarian crisis. It is so true, and Ted Cruz is not going to take it anymore. Getting worse. That's the case of the border, as press access is non-existent. Yes, the party that unfairly blamed Trump for putting kids in cages has kids in pens. This is a legal stream in, and we let them in. This must stop. How do you get in? If you're a child, you have a note in your pocket, you get to go to that address. Well, I would choose a rich address because maybe Beverly Hills, perhaps. Uh, maybe my house. Maybe if my address is there, I'll have to raise those children. How dumb is this? The stupidest policy ever. And I actually feel bad for Jen Psaki because she has to explain why almost 900 kids who have to be captured and put back into their countries or into our country in 72 hours are being held for uh, weeks. Weeks. It's a crisis that we never saw before in our lifetime. It's a 20-year high. And this is not key migration season, or should I say illegal immigration season. Why? Well, let's see. Joe Biden talked about letting everybody in, talked about what villains Trump was. He also has a 100-day moratorium on deportations. How do you think that's interpreted down south? Halted part of Title 42 that told told minors that you're going to go back to your old country uh, right away. Ended the provision to remain in Mexico. That was 71,000. Immediately left into our country, suspended safe third world country, which means if you're crossing from Guatemala to another country, then to Mexico, you stop at that country and then apply to come to the U.S. We take a look at your application. 
halting construction on the border wall, huge gaps. Look at some of our drone, uh, our drone footage. Reinstitution of the catch and release, you know what that means. You come in, we take your uh, vitals down, and you move. And you come back to court when we, when, when we tell you to. But on the southeast uh, border, the Rio Grande uh, Valley sector, we are no longer making them fill out paperwork. That's how overwhelmed we are. This is crazy, and they're not even calling it a crisis, but it is a C word. Let's listen together. Cut three. Children uh, presenting at our border who are fleeing violence, who are fleeing prosecution, who are fleeing terrible situations is not a crisis. Uh, We feel that uh, it is our responsibility to humanely approach uh, this circumstance. Circumstance. Now I feel better. By the way, a lot of kids are not escaping prosecution. They're escaping their countries because ours is better. That's not a reason to come in. That's not a reason why you beat Haiti or Nigeria or Norway or Germany or Iceland. You have to wait in line with the Brazilians and the Argentinians. Just because you want to come doesn't mean you can come. We can't do that to any other country. Why is that hard to understand? But you know... The former senator from a border state turned vice president, former attorney general, knows law and order, knows how serious this is. Q. Kamala Harris in Jacksonville, Florida. You know where the WOKV listeners are? Cut one. Do you plan to visit the border? Uh, um, not today. <laughs> but um, I have before and I'm sure I will again. We were left with a very challenging situation. We've got to treat this issue in a way that is reflective of our values as Americans and do it in a way that is fair and it is humane. Okay. Fair, humane, children. We're not buying that. And you know what I, I'm heartened by? People like Congressman Ro Kahana, a Democrat from California, the mayor, 35,000 in Texas, Congressman, Democrat, Congressman Cuellar, who provided the pictures that reveals that these are see-through walls, pens, soft-sided pens, not maybe uh, fences, but that's where they're being kept in, in in conditions that are very stark and dreary, and they don't have any separation. They're not three feet apart. They're not six feet apart, and some are wearing masks. Most aren't. This is a dead serious situation, and being this has nothing to do with being humane. And guess what? Congressman Elon Omar is going to go down there, and if she, have an, if she has an ounce of integrity, she'll express the same outrage that she pretended to have when Donald Trump was president. Here's Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick after hearing the cackle of the vice president. Cut to. Kamala Harris must think that's amusing to her. She must think that the, the sex offenders who are coming into this country uh, who will be coming to communities all over this country to assault children uh, is funny to her. This is not a laughing matter for our country or for these people or for future victims. Um, so far, they won't call this a crisis. It's a design disaster, Shannon. This is their plan. So this new cage facility for migrant children reportedly being built right now in the Rio Grande Valley. So in case your plan doesn't work, just make more facilities for the illegals to stay here indefinitely. So White House admits the border detention centers are not places made for children. But you invited the children who have notes in their pockets to stay. And they're supposed to be let out in 72 hours, and they're not. And you're not letting the press in. The most transparent presidency, if things are wrong, we'll tell you. And if I make a mistake, I'll admit it and I will tell you. 
No, you made a huge mistake. You're not even using Democrats. Here is Henry Cuellar. He saw this. Vincente Gonzalez saw what's going on down there. What do they have in common? Both from Texas, both Democrats. Both are not consulted about their own communities, eight of which in and around the border areas flipped to Donald Trump, not because Donald Trump was anti-Hispanic, because he was pro-American, because he wanted to enforce the border and just set up a rule of law. Cut 11. The president or the administration's um, message is not getting through. This message about don't come now, come later, without due respect, is not being heard down there. The message can't be that if you get to our southern border and get across, we're going to process you and release you into our communities. Okay. Uh, And Cuellar was also on with Fox and Friends today, and we'll get him on this week. And as I mentioned to you in the past, when I went down to the border, I looked over and and he said, hi, I'm Congressman Cuellar. He was just wearing a members-only jacket. He wanted to just get on uh, the bus with the Border Patrol and see what I saw. And not because I was there, because he was going anyway. He didn't want cameras. He just wanted to see what's happening. He didn't ask if I was a Democrat or Republican. He didn't ask the Border Patrol, or did you vote for Biden or Trump or Hillary? He just wants to control the border, and he's Hispanic, and he didn't want to see people abused. Cut 36. Health and Human Services doesn't take this unaccompanied kids. Then Border Patrol uh, is just forced to stay with the kids for a longer period of time. Uh, And that's why we are seeing those packed facilities. You're not moving them out fast enough under Health and Human Services. And on top of that, the reason these pictures are important to show how packed they are, uh, somewhere close by that same weekend, uh, there were about 150, 150 uh, people that were released without a notice to appear. To me, that's unprecedented. How do you release somebody to the country uh, without a notice to appear? It's nuts. How you're just saying, well, come one, come all. Now, if you're out there with a green card, you wait your 10 years to trying to play the perfect game, get admission, pay your fees, take the take the citizenship test. How do you feel right now? Like a sucker? You should. That's not being having a big heart. It's not being humane. Because everybody that wants to come here can't. Everybody wants to go to Russia, China. Everyone wants to go to Norway or Sweden or France can't. There are rules. Cut 37. Even with the ones that have the notice to appear don't show up. I mean, a lot of them do, but there's a good amount of them Most that don't. don't. Yeah, and imagine somebody who doesn't even have a paperwork. Uh, how are they going to show up? It's an honor system. I, without due respect, that honor system doesn't work in uh, immigration. And you think he likes saying that? You think that helps him with his own party? You don't think he's getting a call from the White House saying, what are you doing? Because he doesn't care. He's doing the right thing. And, you know, whatever you want to say about Mitt Romney, he thinks he's doing the right thing. Uh, And what do you ever want to say about uh, Senator Murkowski? She thinks she's doing the right thing. There's so few Democrats who break uh, with the party line, and we're watching all this stuff pass through the House and Senate. But this is humanity, and there's nothing humane about telling people if you come, you're in. Jen Psaki has said this multiple times. If you're a kid, you come on your own, you're in. So what does the mom do? Oh, what does the dad do? They say, well, my life is not that good, and America will be better, so I'm going to pay $3,500 in Honduras, Ecuador, El Salvador, or Guatemala, and I'm going to take the trip. If I'm in uh, outside those regions, it could cost as much as $10,000. I'll mortgage my house, I'll take out a loan, and I'll send my kid because I care about my kid. That doesn't mean they're in refugee status. That means they think our country is better than yours. We always think that as Americans, and we're right. But that doesn't mean you can come in. That's never been the way we did it until Joe Biden took over. This is a guy who paid and financed the the Fence Act in 2006. 
Meanwhile, he's the same person that is about to put together and announce a almost $4 trillion infrastructure plan that is full of tax hikes and Green New Deal projects. It is nuts. $100 billion to invest in building and renovating schools, child care centers, and community colleges. He wants to make it free. Modernizing schools in most economically undeserved communities. Uh, clean up and redevelop abandoned, underused properties. Odd pow- uh, old power plants, industrial facilities. Free community college, free universal, pre-kindergarten, as well as national paid leave. Development of the universal broadband, major issue in uh, uh, rural communities, a priority, includes a goal of training millions of workers. It makes the case that these upgrades are needed to keep the United States competitive and the powers abroad uh, rebuild roads, bridges, trains, uh, rail, and ports. You know, when it comes to the infrastructure like that, people have always had bipartisan buy-in. Will they even look for it? When you talk about uh, a major issue like uh, broadband for rural communities, uh, bipartisan buy-in. Will they even look for it? Or will they pass it and say, simple majority, we're going to do this through reconciliation, if the parliamentarian lets them do it again? Here's what Donald Trump said about this. Cut 17. This is... Bernie Sanders on steroids. This is what he's doing with all. And that, you haven't seen anything yet. So the Second Amendment is going to be obliterated. The, and, and there's no stopping them. But you're going to see packing the courts. You're going to see the biggest tax increase in history. You're going to see the Second Amendment just absolutely obliterated. You're going to see many other things. The Green New Deal will be put into effect. And don't forget D.C. estate. And uh, they're not looking to make Puerto Rico a state right now. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West in about 10 minutes, but you're next. Gave you a lot. one 866 I did not ta- uh, touch on, uh, which is the, they say, the quarantine 15. Uh, what about you? You ready to get busy? Get re- ready to get back to work? Here at Goldman Sachs, here at uh, Morgan Stanley, they're saying uh, in New York, we want our, our people back at work this summer. Are you ready to go back? Will you have a say in it? And if you don't go back, are you worried about your health? Or you just like your new lifestyle? one 408 It's hard for me to believe you're more productive not being at work. Educate me on that. Uh, so you listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show. We have a lot to discuss. I'm so glad you're here. Don't move. Challenging conventional thought and wisdom. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in 
blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. When you're pleading with, with the president to, to stop the release of migrants into your community while we're dealing with a weather phenomenon that hasn't happened in 20 to 30 years, and we only get three or four days of that time, you know, per the border control sector, which, by the way, we have a great relationship down on the ground with our, with our chief, with our chief and, and non-government organizations. It's just really like, you know, whose side are you on? The American people were without water, electricity for days on end in Del Rio, Texas, and you're going to release migrants, you know, th- those individuals that are seeking a better life and opportunity into this into this weather phenomenon. I just don't understand how that's, I don't even understand how that could even happen. Either do I, and I did not figure that in, and that's my bad. I forgot that, they, you know, Texas was in that deep freeze and lost everything. They had to boil water before using water, and people are out of food, and the people around the country uh, was uh, saying, Texas, uh, how dare you not hook up to the national grid. This is your problem. That was a catastrophe. It was only about two and a half weeks ago. And you still let thousands flood in, and then you don't even tell the governor of the state what you're doing. They cannot get into facilities in their own state. And that's what Andy McCarthy was saying yesterday on our show. Saying, uh, do you realize that everything changed in the 80s? It no longer was a state's issue. It was a federal job to secure the border. And in a way, it makes sense because you might have a very liberal governor of, let's say, New Mexico as opposed, and, and California. And they say, come one, come all. And then Texas, they crack down on it. And Arizona, they crack down on it. So it would be uneven. But there sh- and the federal government, in theory, should have one goal, secure the border. But that's not the theory that Democrats have. And instead of at least reaction to the crisis like President Obama did, Joe Biden says, I might get down there soon. No rush. Bill, listening online in Maryland. Hey, Bill. Hey, uh, I'm 75 years old, so I'll try to hit the hit running. But, uh, you know, the uh, kids in cages went from uh, the Democratic administration to getting them in kids in sardine cans. And uh, they give lip service like, don't come now, but if you do, you won't regret it. And uh, the idea that, uh, well, I'd like to dig a little deeper into something else we see, the mainstream media, they didn't get that way by accident. I went through it myself. The institutions of higher learning and the so-called professors that have no conscience or character get the unsophisticated freshmen. They indoctrinate them, and uh, it it can't turn out any other way. Garbage in, garbage out. Yeah, I do get worried. The critical race theory, they're going to restructure and start telling first graders that uh, they should be guilty because they're white and male. Uh, Really? Uh, you got to pick one. Uh, what are you guilty of? Who are you oppressing? They're actually out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. We're teaching this crap already, and I'm going to discuss it tonight. I'm on at 7 o'clock show tonight on Fox uh, News Primetime uh, with one of the guests that you've heard a lot. He stood up to a school system, and he's getting ridiculed for it by saying, I don't want my kid learning the critical race theory. 
Uh, thanks, Bill. Uh, Gary, WNEB in Daytona. Gary. All right, Gary, I, I lost you. I just really want you to I do feel bad for uh, Jen Psaki. Here's what she said about this, about uh, overwhelming message, the overwhelming message to the border. Cut seven. We're trying to meet people where they are in the region is that this is not a safe journey, as you mentioned, that this is not the time to come and that people will be turned away at the border. And that those statistics certainly bear that out. But that is the message overwhelmingly we're sending. Uh, but we also want to be clear that we're going to do everything we can to ensure that kids are not uh, left in these facilities for longer than they should be. Because then they get to stay. Do you understand the message you're sending? is come one, come all. How dare you stay in Honduras and Guatemala when you come to America and get a sponsor family and then send for your parents? Because who's going to stop you? Lieutenant Colonel Allen West next. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. I just want to circle back on the migrant question, which is if you're sending the signal that kids who come to the United States and have the phone numbers of relatives in their pocket that you want to get them to those houses, isn't that message, which you just made a few minutes ago, going to encourage more of this? Well, Jake, that's certainly not our objective. I appreciate you raising it. I think what I was trying to answer is what we're trying to do to prevent so many kids from being in the Border Patrol facilities, which I think we all agree is not a place for kids uh, and not one that just should be for longer than three days at max. You believe this? I mean, I, I don't envy her. She has to spin out of a terrible situation. She doesn't set policy. She has to try to make it logical, but it's impossible. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, uh, he lives in a border state now, chairman of the Republican Party of Texas, senior fellow at the Media Research Institute. Uh, Colonel, uh, I mean, I don't have to educate people, nor do you, on what happens if you're a kid with a note in your pocket and you get to a place in America why wouldn't every kid in Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador be right behind that kid? Yeah, it's good to be with you, Brian. It's a sad situation. And, of course, these kids are being trafficked. And, uh, again, I want to reiterate, Texas is the number one state in the United States of America for human and sex trafficking. Dallas and Houston are the top two cities for human and sex trafficking in the United States of America. And yet what did happened uh, not too long ago, just uh, last week, 3,000 illegal immigrant males, uh, you know, ages can be questionable, but they're definitely teenagers, uh, were brought into K. Bailey Hutchinson Convention Center here in Dallas. Another 1,000 were brought into Midland, Texas. And so we have a problem, and we what we see is that we are dumping these young people into the state of Texas. And and what's the follow-on? Where, where do we go from there? Hey, and Colonel, i got to stop you. They're not telling your governor. They're, they're, no. the, 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 the governor's got to follow the news to find out what's happening in his own state. Which, which should not be the case, and that's why, again, I think that it is very important that as a sovereign state, Texas needs to stay, step up and take control of this situation, especially when you have a, a Biden administration that has abdicated their role and responsibility. This is about a constitutional duty. 
And what Joe Biden has said by executive order is that he's not going to do his constitutional duty. So it is incumbent upon the governor of Texas and any sovereign border border state to stand up for the Constitution and protect the safety and security of its citizens and secure the, the, the border and prevent this crisis situation that we are seeing getting out of control. Now, have you had a chance to watch Mayorkas on these Sunday shows yesterday? Yes, sir, I have. Have you ever seen an official that high up just flat out lie to you like that? Well, I remember when uh, uh, Mr. Clapper uh, lied in front of the uh, the Senate, uh, I think it was the Intelligence Committee or one of the committees, uh, about the whole thing of of the – uh, who was that they were following? But anyhow, Clapper and, and we've seen Comey and all of them. So this is a continuation of a lot of the thought, things that we saw back during the Obama administration. They are not going to be truthful with the American people, and they're not being transparent. Imagine this, Brian. If President Trump has said, I am not allowing any press down to oh. the border. I am not allowing our Border Patrol to, to speak to any press. I am not allowing anyone to go into any of these facilities. They will be screaming bloody murder. Well, how about this? How about the courage of Congressman Henry Cuellar, who not only is uh, speaking up, he took pictures. He gave him Axios, and now we have pictures. So instead of kids in cages, which, by the way, they weren't in cages, and the pictures were of the Obama administration era in 2014, Mm -hmm. and and they were to keep the kids away from adults because that was probably the safest thing to happen. But instead of using uh, a wire or or a fence— they're using, uh, they're using cellophane. So it looks like yes. kids in pens now. And there's their answer, so they don't look like hypocrites, is to keep us out. So here is Ted Cruz on the, the methods they're using to keep us out. He's going down to the border today to force his way in. Cut 13. The only concern with COVID that the Biden administration seems to have concerns reporters. The stated justification for the Biden administration on keeping reporters away from the border is that reporters present a COVID risk. Apparently, the thousands of illegal aliens they're releasing don't present a COVID risk, and they're releasing them without testing them for COVID. But their view is if you're a member of the media, if you're a reporter, if you're a cameraman, if you're a photographer, you pose a COVID risk that nobody else does. That's the idiocy, the lunacy they tried to jam down our throats on Sunday and repeat it on Monday. Yeah, it's delusional, and I think this is one of the things that the American people, definitely the people here in Texas, and and to include the the Hispanic community that lives along the Rio Grande Valley area, they see the fact that, again, their safety and security is being put at risk by this administration. Uh, And so that's why we were successful in being able to go down into the Rio Grande Valley in the last November's election and get them to understand these policies of the Trump administration were all about their, their better uh, way of life and making sure that they had safe security, safe and security, co- secure communities. And the great thing is that uh, the Republican Party of Texas, we're having our quarterly uh, meeting in Laredo, and we'll be down there Thursday through Saturday. And we're going to allow every single member of the state Republican executive committee to get an opportunity to go and see the board and see what is happening, because we've got to tell this story. You do. Uh, and someone has to tell it. Listen to Kamala Harris when asked about the border. I just find this obscene. Cut one. Do you plan to visit the border? Uh, um, not today. <laughs> but um, I have before, and I'm sure I will again. We were left with a... Do you believe, I mean, what is she laughing at? What is funny? Well, 
there is nothing funny, but that's that very flippant, dismissive attitude that you have coming from the Biden administration because they know what they're doing. What they have done is by executive order, they have instituted an open borders policy. You remember when he tried to send down an executive order saying that the uh, ICE agents had to stop their deportations. Luckily, thank God, we had Ken Paxson who brought a suit against that and the uh, judge ruled in favor of Texas. So we continued the deportations. But they are, again, abdicating their constitutional duty responsibility to protect this border, to protect our sovereignty as a nation, to protect the sovereignty of the state of Texas. And so therefore, it's incumbent upon the state of Texas and our leadership, our elected officials, to step up and do what is necessary. And we have a young uh, state House representative by the name of Brian Slayton, who has introduced legislation saying that Texas should take over the uh, construction of the border wall in our you know, zone, our sector, 1,200 miles of, of, of border we share with Mexico. I, I got to tell you something else that's happening at first, and I believe in our country. Uh, the government has a reparations program in Illinois. Uh, they are now going to be, if you could prove that you have, uh, have ancestors that live between 1919 and 1969, you qualify as an applicant uh, because you are unfairly discriminated against in that time uh, for housing. The specific measure approved Monday, 8 to 1 vote, established a $400,000 housing grant program, uh, the first expenditure of the larger fund. Uh, this alderman named uh, Robin Sue Robin Rue Simmons, who first proposed reparations initiative, called the portion of the program approved Monday a first step. The resolution approved directs initial funding of 400 grand uh, to a housing program that will award eligible individuals $25,000. That money can be used to help with a home down payment or closing cost assistance with the city, help you pay for repairs, improvements, or modernization of your current home. Reparations have begun. As an African-American who were born here, the segregated South was what your parents experienced, and maybe you. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you how do you feel? Uh, again, this is offensive. It's condescending. This is what the left does to continue to perpetuate the victimization and victim mentality in the black community. Brian, you are talking to a young man that was born in a blacks-only hospital on 7 February 1961 in Atlanta, Georgia. Hughes Spalding Hospital, when I was born there, was blacks-only. I'm not looking for any reparations. My father was born in 1920 in South Alabama. He was a corporal in the United States Army, fought in the European theater of operations. My godfather was a Tuskegee Airman, William Sticky Jackson. They did not talk about what this nation owed them. They talked about service, sacrifice, and commitment to this nation. And as long as we continue to have these 21st century economic plantation gatekeepers like these individuals, they will continue to perpetuate this victim mentality, which is why, you know, as you as a historian, we're not talking about the foundation of America being established on July the 4th, 1776. They've come up with this insidious 1619 uh, project that's saying that America was established when the first slave ship arrived to our shores. This whole council culture, this critical race theory, this reparation rhetoric, this has to be ended. And we need more voices to stand up and push back against this. The last area of expertise is uh, your area, Afghanistan. I talked to General H.R. McMaster last night on Fox Primetime, 
And I asked him, and he's very concerned about us pulling out May 1st or soon after. He says there's 2,000. He knows there's at least 2,000 ISIS fighters there. He does not trust the Taliban. I'll tell you what he said. Don't, let, uh, don't leave to adhere to a peace agreement that the Taliban, who hasn't done anything to enforce, the peace agreement was fundamentally flawed to begin with because we made concession after concession to the Taliban. We forced the Afghan government to release the most heinous people on earth and then didn't demand a ceasefire. Now it seems like we're partnering with the Taliban against the Afghan government. They were having peace talks in Russia last week. Yeah. Come on, this is – I'm not into endless war, and you're the guy that fights them. I get it. But this is not the way to go knowing the terror threat is still there. The people that want us to go will be the first one complaining when towers start falling again here. Yeah, this is absolutely absurd, and the thing is that you do not make a, a peace negotiation with a radical Islamic terrorist organization, and that is what the Taliban is, and they are once again going to provide uh, cover and sanctuary to ISIS and many of the other uh, groups. Previously, it was the cover that they gave to al-Qaeda, and you saw what al-Qaeda did. They allowed Osama bin Laden to be there. So at a point in time when we should be on the offense, keeping them on their heels, not negotiating, compromising, appeasing with them, we're doing exactly that. This goes back to the Obama administration, which released those five senior Taliban leaders from Gitmo back through Qatar. And guess what? They are the ones that are engaged and involved in these peace negotiations. So this is really one of those things where the United States of America is going to drop a grenade on its own foot. And sadly, sometime, some point in time down the road, young men and young women are going to be asked to go and correct this horrible foreign policy mistake. And, Colonel, uh, it looks like our NATO allies have between 6,500 and 7,000 there. They would like to know if we're leaving ahead of them after they followed us. So I do think we're the ones with the air power. Uh, they're going to just leave right after, and then in comes China to get the natural resources and Iran to influence, mm-hmm. and to influence the region. I just don't think the war on terror is over, but I understand people are fatigued no. by it. But we're not fighting every day. We're, we're securing. And every day that goes by, that government gets an extra day to, to coalesce. But real quick, I do want to yeah. get what uh, – go, go ahead. I was just going to say one of the simple laws of physics is that if you create a, uh, a vacuum, it will be filled. And, and that's exactly what we're going to do. Lastly, uh, here's what uh, General McMaster said about China and what he's concerned about and what he's seeing and what he saw happen in Alaska. I think China and the Chinese Communist Party leadership thinks that they're winning, right? They're emerging first from the pandemic that they foisted onto the world, and they've become more and more aggressive, right? We've seen it from bludgeoning Indian soldiers to death on the Himalayan frontier, the largest land grab in history if they succeed in the South China Sea, extending their repressive arm uh, into Hong Kong, and, of course, the continuation of a, of a campaign of slow genocide in, in Xinjiang. So, hey, this should not come as a surprise. The threats toward Taiwan continue, and a massive campaign of economic coercion aimed at, at Australia. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, I, I think that Secretary Blinken and, uh, and National Security Advisor Sullivan, they, they stood strong there, and I was glad to see it. I th- but now we have to see them back it up by not cutting defense, in fact, building defense. If we cut defense, as Mitch McConnell said, and I, and I thoroughly agree, that will be the signal that we're all talk. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And I would just 
follow up by saying this. Uh, George Santayana once said, those who fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. You know, we tried to compromise, appease, and dismiss the actions of Adolf Hitler and the rise of Nazi Germany for quite some time, many years prior to uh, 1941, of course, when we decided to enter World War II. We're in the exact same situation. We are emboldening China just the same as Neville Chamberlain emboldened uh, Adolf Hitler back with the, uh, the Munich Accords. So we have got to make a stand against China not just as the United States of America, but as a global community. When we look at the human rights violations, when we look at they are the number one geopolitical foe of freedom and liberty all across this globe. I hear you. Uh, Colonel, thanks so much. Hope people are listening. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Ann West, thanks. My pleasure. All right. Uh, when we come back, your calls, one 866 Hey, are you one who put on the, uh, the quarantine 15? How are you getting it off? Educating, entertaining, enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Get this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Just got a reminder, I'm going to be on tonight at 7 o'clock on Fox News Primetime. Hope everybody is able to watch. Uh, and we go for an hour crisply. It's a lot easier than three hours here. Uh, it's fun. It keeps moving. And hopefully you'll have a great show that you want to take in. So let's take the phone calls now. Let's go out to Jessica and WOKV. They're kind enough to take the show all three hours now. Again, Jessica, welcome back. Jessica. Gary, listen to WN. Uh, wait, is she back? All right. I uh, lost her. Too bad. Uh, Gary, listen to WNDB. Hey, Gary. Hey, Brian. Good morning. What's on your mind? Uh, the second biggest fraud on the border crisis has to be Anthony Fauci because every day he was complaining during the, uh, Trump's administration about things that weren't being done. I can't find him on any networks talking about the basically catch and release that's going on there. Plus, along buried in the catch, and, which I consider catch and release, is the new document, the Alternative to Detention, ATD program, which Biden implemented. And uh, But I think Fauci, he's, uh, our uh, virus SARS are fake. Uh, uh, Gary, I am not going to fight you on that. I am not going to push back on that. He's the same guy who had no problem with the civil unrest, remember? But he had a big problem with spring break. Uh, and we're not talking about the spring break violence we saw, we're seeing over the weekend. I'm talking about spring break that was happening last year. I appreciate it. He's a politician. And he's de- as, as a president, we just flat out say he's a nice guy, but he's a Democrat. Rick, KDWN in Las Vegas. Hey, Rick. Yes, uh, good morning. Uh, great show. Um, it is definitely a crisis at the border. Um, it, uh, it'll soon, I believe, reach the point of no return if it hasn't already. And I don't think uh, anybody's mentioned that as these uh, uh, children, the uh, uh, people that are getting released uh, up from you know released from the detention centers, whatever they have probably um, minimal or limited skills. Um, how are they going to make a living? How are they even if they do have um, parents or if they've got uh, foster uh, uh, places that they can go? Um, where you know how are they going to? Uh, we have very uh, 
uh, with the Keystone Pipeline being uh, canceled, I've, I think there was over 11,000 jobs that were canceled just right off the bat. Um, we have a, a difficult uh, time here in the United States with jobs. Hey, Rick, How you're we- making great points. Well, Where are they going to fit in? How are they not going to be, at least in the short term, a burden on our system? How does that make sense in a pandemic when we're just now getting a hold of a vaccine after putting the economy on hold for about a year and now going at least $27 trillion in debt? How does it make sense to welcome in tens of thousands of illegals from other countries? They're not exactly coming from Ivy League educations in their separate country. Not we need people from all walks of life to come the right way, not this way. And we all know it, and Democrats can't hide it. Thanks so much for listening. Go to BrianKilme.com or to any of my books, including Sam Houston, The Alamo Avengers, and BrianKilmeShow.com to listen anytime, anywhere. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach, it's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Uh, Coming up shortly, Congressman uh, Ro Kahana. You know, he represents the Silicon Valley among Alameda counties and Santa Clara counties out in California. Democrat, he wants to weigh in on what's happening with big tech. And he wants to weigh in. And by the way, there might be some unanimous bipartisan agreement that they got to be reined in. You think so? And as well as talk about what's going on at the border and this huge infrastructure plan uh, that's been offered. Griff Jenkins is at the border right now. He's in the Mexican side, Tijuana area. He's going to be joining us in about 20 minutes. And then I'll do a simulcast on FBN with Stuart Varney. um, And that'll be in about a half hour. Uh, So you'll not only get to watch us on Fox Nation. We're streaming now. But you get to watch us on FBN. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Something I couldn't do because of COVID all of 2020 was going to Disney World. And so now that I'm fully vaccinated and it's 2021, I'm going. It's happening. And is that how you feel coming out of COVID? Schools are taking uh, action now on CDC guidelines. More kids back in the classroom. People are getting back in the gym, losing that quarantine 15. Are you ready to start coming out of quarantine? Get back to your life. And if you are, what are you doing to prepare for it? Number two. On the president's interview, uh, he said on taxes that anybody making more than 400000 will see a small to a significant tax increase. Did he mean individuals or households? Families. Uh, that's a little different, don't you think? Hard to swallow. The $1.9 trillion? Try three, maybe $4 trillion. That's how much the new so-called infrastructure bill uh, President Biden plans on offering. And you guessed it, jammed down the throats of Republicans so far. Uh, there is some support for infrastructure, but they don't look like they're looking for it. Oh, yeah, a lot of tax hikes. Number one. And I'll tell you the most astonishing part of it is the Biden administration is enforcing a total blackout on the press. The Biden administration wants to hide from the crisis that is unfolding on the southern border. They want to hide from the humanitarian crisis. Ted Cruz, 100 percent right. He's not exaggerating. Getting worse. That's the case of the border as press access is non-existent. Yes, the party that unfairly blamed Trump for putting kids in cages has kids in pens. This is illegal stream in, and we are letting them in if they have a note in their pocket. And I'm not kidding. It's got to stop. Joining me now is Congressman Ro Kahana of California. Congressman, welcome. 
Brian, yeah, thanks for having me on. I saw your comments on Sunday. You are, to say the least, not happy about what's happening at the border. Well, we have to speak out about human rights, regardless of the administration. And I do believe that if there are unaccompanied minors, uh, we should have them in. But we have to treat them uh, with basic respect. I mean, provide legal aid, provide them with food, provide them with showers. And some of the conditions uh, are not uh, things that any American would want for young kids. Right. And but do you feel that they should come in here permanently? If you show up, you get to stay? No, I don't think that. I think, first of all, I think kids are different than adults. I think you have to uh, be have an asylum uh, process. My understanding is that most of the folks are not uh, being allowed into the United States. They are being sent back. Uh, and there has to be a process. But if we are going to have unaccompanied children, uh, they should certainly have uh, human rights. Now, the one thing, you know, we've talked, I mean, I do agree that we should have Secretary Lincoln out in El Salvador, out in Guatemala, out in Honduras, and see what we can do. Most people uh, would stay in those countries uh, if they had basic economic opportunity and not violence, and we ought to be doing uh, everything we can to uh, to encourage that. But if they have notes in their pockets, they get to where that address is, and the notes in their pockets with, uh, that say, I have a relative here, they get, they get sent there. Uh, the administration has no problem saying that. And I just say, okay, if I meet this little child, I say, my heart goes out to that kid. But that's the go sign for not tens of thousands of other kids in economically challenging situations to do the same exact thing. Why can't people see around the corner with that policy? Why are the administration uh, somehow confused by this? Well, I don't think that economic hardship is grounds for asylum. I mean, asylum, you have to show that you're fleeing violence and we ought to be enforcing uh, asylum law. And so if there are kids who are here unaccompanied without parents uh, and are coming uh, to seeking uh, asylum, then we have under U.S. law an obligation uh, to uh, make sure they're treated fairly. But the what we ought not to do is just open up the floodgates to all economic migrants. I mean, that's that's impossible. We can't uh, take uh, hundreds of thousands of people. I mean, uh, everyone would want to come to the United States. I know you got by, you have about uh, at least eight hundred, maybe nine hundred who have been there more than 10 days. They're supposed to only be there 72 hours. It's an impossible situation. Uh, so I want you to hear from three Democrats. Uh, a mayor from Lozano, Texas, and then you have Congressman Cuello, you recognize him, and Congressman Gonzalez. It's just really like, you know, whose side are you on? The American people were without water, electricity for days on end in Del Rio, Texas, and you're going to release migrants? I just don't understand how that's, I don't even understand how that could even happen. The president or the administration's um, message is not getting through. This message about don't come now, come later without due respect, is not being heard down there. The message can't be that if you get to our southern border and get across, we're going to process you and release you into our communities. And now in the Rio Grande Valley, they were being released without even being processed. Congressman Cuellar expanded on that. Cut 37. Even with the ones that have the notice to appear don't show up. I mean, a lot of them do, but there's a good amount of them Most that don't. don't. Yeah, and imagine somebody who doesn't even have a paperwork uh, how are they going to show up? It's an honor system. I, without due respect, that honor system doesn't work in uh, immigration. So they don't want to say the word crisis, but if they want to get another message out, they're not going to be able to get to that other message out because every network is covering this, Congressman uh, uh, Kahana. Every network is covering it the same way. They were doing their Sunday shows from the border. 
How do they plan on getting a hold of this? Well, I think the message has to be clear that this is not the time to come to the United States in, in, in COVID. Uh, don't just uh, uh, get up and, and, and come in terms of uh, the president is saying that. I, I do think having Secretary Blinken uh, go to those uh, countries, I mean, it's not in uh, the interests of uh, many of those uh, people to have a treacherous journey uh, across the border. Uh, and uh, what we ought to focus on is how do we have economic uh, development there. I, I, I think that message, they're trying to get that message through. Yeah, uh, I don't I don't think that, I don't even know if there's even a presence there. I don't know if you guys are even running, they're even running commercial there. Uh, the other area of, of expertise, when it comes to big tech, uh, they have named somebody, this uh, Lena Khan, a progressive favorite, they say, uh, to an open seat on the FTC, which now has an even partisan, an even partisan split. Uh, even though they're about to lose a they're about to lose a Democrat, Rohit Chopra, who was nominated to head the Consumer Financial Protections Bureau, so big tech is going to be uh, in the crosshairs. I know of Republicans. You represent Silicon Valley. What do you want to see happen with these mammoth organizations that are worth more than most countries? Well, first, we need to make sure that they aren't engaged in exploitive behavior on startups and smaller companies. Uh, that's not. Uh, the American way. We've got to encourage entrepreneurship, low companies. Second, we've got to distribute the wealth generation. I mean, you can't have all the wealth generation in Silicon Valley, Boston, or Austin and have deindustrialization of small towns of uh, places across the Midwest and South. And so if we enforce antitrust law, I think it'll help create is more it too distributed late? wealth generation. Congressman, is it too late? You know, remember Facebook goes, okay, I think I'll take Instagram. Okay, uh, I see uh, I see an emerging uh, competitor. I'll just buy it. And we kind of stood by because we're trying to figure out what the social media, these what tech was bringing to the world. Do, do we have to go uh, back know, in and say, oops, sorry, I should have cracked down on you earlier? Well, I agree with you, Brian. We should never have approved the Instagram merger. We should have never approved the uh, WhatsApp merger. The problem is, candidly, that there aren't folks uh, that really understand uh, technology Absolutely. in the government. So these tech leaders are running circles around them. Frankly, they're running circles around Europe. You know, after the GDPR in Europe, uh, Google's market share in Europe has increased. And, you know, Italy has a $7 million fine on Facebook. I don't think an intern at Facebook pays attention to that. So the challenge is that we need people who actually understand technology in the federal government, and then we need to have, uh, have laws to, to rein in some of the behavior, uh, or they're going to make uh, a lot of the rules for uh, our society, which no one wants. Do you have bipartisan buy-in on that, Congressman? We do. When it comes to an Internet Bill of Rights protecting Americans for uh, in on their data, there's bipartisan buy-in. Uh, when it comes to creating tech jobs in rural communities, I work with Governor Kim Reynolds in Iowa. I work with Congressman Hal Rogers in uh, Paintsville, Kentucky. I've done work in West Virginia. There's bipartisan Biden. And the third, which I, I want to just say, there was a great piece by Thomas Frank. Uh, I don't think we ought to be censoring uh, these platforms. Now, I don't think violence ought to be on the platforms, uh, but I engage in back and forth with people who are conservative who disagree with me. We probably have different views on immigration. You can't censor speech. I mean, the, the, the a hallmark of uh, American society is an exchange of ideas. So I also think we have to be very careful in censoring uh, speech. So you believe the president should be back on social media platforms? 
I think that the president should not. I, I disagree Former with president. the president in terms of uh, the inciting of uh, the insurrection. It's a long conversation. But I think if the president were to commit to not having a speech that inflames and incites violence, uh, then then there's a, you know, I mean, I don't think that there's a lifetime uh, a lifetime ban. I mean, I, I think let's see what the president type, what type of speech there is. And as long as it's not inciting violence, that's that to me is the bar. Wow. Uh, very interesting. Here's what Governor DeSantis is doing. They cannot control speech. They should not be able to control commerce. And so we have unveiled a series of big tech reforms that are the strongest anywhere in the country. If you deplatform a candidate, you're getting fined $100,000 a day. If you deplatform or censor an individual Floridian, they have the ability to potentially sue you under our Unfair and Deceptive Trade Practices Act. So can our state attorney general can go after big tech. And then your privacy. They take all your data privacy. They make all this money. You should have the ability to opt out of that just because you buy a phone. That doesn't mean they should be able to track you every minute of the day. How do you feel about what he's proposing? Some of it, look, I agree with him on the data privacy. I, I don't think that tech or other companies should be able to track you. Uh, on the deplatforming, I'm not sure that would survive a, a Roberts court. I mean, these are uh, companies that have a, a First Amendment right. I mean, if you told me, hey, Ro, you can't never show up uh, on, on my radio program, I can't sue you and say Brian's deplatforming me uh, from his radio show. So it sounds good, but I don't think that's going to survive First Amendment scrutiny. I think the bigger question is, uh, how do we have competition so you have more social media platforms so that these one Google or Dorsey or, uh, or Zuckerberg aren't determining speech? So there's another big issue I want to talk about, and that is what could be a $4 trillion infrastructure spending uh, deal. Uh, they want to uh, be, have money aside if everyone gets free community college, free uh, kindergarten. They're going to say broadband for rural communities, which I think there's bipartisan buy-in in. Uh, there's a lot of green technology. They're going to utilize vacant land. I'm not sure. It's pretty uh, broad. But $4 trillion that includes an array of tax hikes. From what you know, Will Ro Kohana support this? I will support the outlines of it. Here's where I think we could get bipartisan agreement on, on taxes. There is $1.4 trillion to be collected on people who actually owe the taxes, aren't paying the taxes, yep. because they aren't showing their business income. Why don't we start with that? And then where we ought to get uh, agreement is let's build our battery plants here. Let's build our manufacturing here. Let's build our essential uh, industries here, not in China. Now, do I think Republicans are going to support the whole $4 trillion? No. But can we at least agree on something so that we can outcompete China? That's, that's where I think we could find some bipartisan ground. Congressman, you, you, you could probably name half these things Republicans would buy into. Why not try to say, listen, these are the things we buy into. These are the things we different. We're going to, we're going to try to pass this. We're going to try to conference and get some things out of committee in the hope of getting bipartisan buy-in. Rather than go through, I mean, I mean, can you see any, I know you talk, uh, you really believe that. Is there any momentum behind that on both sides to do something that a Rob Portman would buy into, that obviously a Joe Manchin would buy into? Well, you know, Rob, Rob Portman and I have done two bills that actually President Trump signed. So I'm all for looking for uh, areas of consensus. And here's my view. Look, I'm, I'm on, as you know, I'm on the progressive side. I mean, you, you know, I supported Bernie Sanders, but here's my view. You may disagree. Some of your listeners may disagree with 80% of the stuff I stand for, but let's find that 20%. Let's that, do that in a bipartisan way. And then 
the other part of the agenda you can oppose. But what I, what I don't understand is the stuff we agree on, why can't we at least do that in a bipartisan way? And that's what I've recommended to the administration. Did, Find right. first the uh, common ground to at least get that done in a bipartisan way. What does Nancy Pelosi say when you bring that up? Well, I mean, I, I, I she listens, and uh, you know, we'll see what what decisions they make. But it, it doesn't hurt the Democrats to do that. Look, you you find the bipartisan ground, and then we can still, in reconciliation, do the rest of the package, and the Republicans can say no to that. But my view is, whether it's Trump, whether it's Biden, whoever the president is, on twenty percent of things, where it's our competitiveness, where it's competing and making sure we stay ahead of China, making sure we're building rural broadband, reindustrializing America, which even someone like Rubio uh, has supported. Uh, let's work on that stuff, and let's uh, fight on the places where we have philosophical disagreement. I know. I, I, I hear you. Uh, there is a lot in there. I'm looking at some of this list of the $4 trillion. Uh, and I'm saying the Republicans have spoken about that before. Uh, Congressman Ro Kahana, I look forward to talking to you again. Thanks so much. Brian, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. You got it. When we come back, your calls, 1-866-408-7669. Then we go out to Griff on the border and the Tijuana side, then over to Varney and Company, and then you again, Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't move. Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. All right, uh, so let's go to the phones right now. Jessica's in Jacksonville, Florida. And in an earlier hour, Jessica, we tried to get all you had uh, problems. But uh, we talked to Lieutenant Colonel Alan West about this reparations move in Illinois. How do you feel about it? I don't agree with him with that at all. Um, He's against it. No, he is against it. I'm for it. He, uh, myself, I'm a black conservative woman. Um, I'm not as old as him, but my dad was also born in an all-black hospital. He served. My grandfather, he retired from the Navy. And it's like with um, Native Americans, they have reservations. With Japanese Americans, they got reparations. And um, he was saying that it, like, makes us more victims. I don't believe that we're victims. We have been victimized. So I do think the reparations are deserved. I don't know what it would be, but something should be paid or given. Well, I'm it's about housing discrimination that they've picked up and said exists. I haven't studied it uh, between 1909 mm-hmm. and 1925. So got to prove you're related. Then you get a $25,000 check or you get some type of um, uh, you get some type of loan. But let's just say, I mean, Jessica, how can you possibly pay everybody back for what has happened generations prior? You know, I don't know the answer to that. But I'm saying him saying that it makes us more victims and saying that it's not deserved. I think actually I think that's kind of insane. You know, I complete. I'm a conservative. I agree with, you know, starting your own, make having your own business, going to school. I'm on my second graduate degree. I agree with that. But I cannot. I mean, we can't be blind to what has happened that has like kept us down as a a whole, as a whole, like a. All black people, you know what I'm saying. Thanks, Jessica. Appreciate it. Always get. I always like different points of view. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. We're going to go to the border next. Griff Jenkins is there. I have no idea what he's seeing. Every day is more a horror than the next.
from the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Information you want, truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. A lot of people ask me, why do you get so emotional on some of your interviews? Why do you yell at Congress? Because if people saw what I saw in my 34-year career, they'd be angry too, because I've held dying children. I've held a dying child that suffocated to death in back of a tractor trailer in his father's arms. I, I, I found dead women. I've talked to women who were raped over 20 times making that journey. And what the Biden administration is doing is, as you said, you're giving a green light to sex traffickers, child traffickers, that you're back in business. So that is Tom Holman, Border Patrol, former Border Patrol uh, director, as well as a, a myriad of jobs for Democrats and Republican administrations. He worked with Mayorkas when he was deputy, Homeland Security, and he, he worked with Vice President Biden at the time to fix the problem at the border when they had a surge and they didn't predict it, they weren't ready for it, but they adjusted to it. But this time, he sees no adjustment, and they gave him a warning. Proof positive, they gave him a warning. There's something happening at the border. You better be ready. And still, he dropped everything Trump was doing because Trump was doing it. And it's just flat out wrong. And that was uh, Tom Holman who joined me last night on Fox News Primetime. And you can see me again there all week long, but you'll see me tonight at uh, 7 o'clock. Dennis, listen on WVMT in Vermont. Dennis. Hi, Brian. Um, On the reparations issue, I have nothing but sympathy for those who went through the period in this country where people were allowed to own other people. However, if reparations were given to this generation of descendants of slaves. Does that foreclose future generations of descendants of slaves from obtaining reparations if they can't get ahead in life? I'm sure it doesn't because people are going to go back and back and back. And I'm sure the Italians That's right. were not treated great. You know, uh, they were, there was that word W-H-O-P. Uh, it's an acronym without papers. And I'm sure the Irish have a say. Nothing as bad as African-Americans. Nothing close. But every group could say, my goodness, I was treated terribly. Where's my check? And I think the number is $400 trillion. If you actually look back dollar for dollar in today's money, we wouldn't even have a, we wouldn't have a country. So why is it that previous generations worked? Got, we got better, better, and better. And all of a sudden we hit to this generation, and America is just not good enough to care about our past and want retribution for things that might not have been perfect in our background, where no one's ever hid from uh, that portion of American history. But I have news for you. We didn't invent it. It was there since the history of humanity, and it was there before there was even a thought of America. Uh, Dennis, thanks. And Staten Island. Hey, Ann. Hi, Brian. Um, I listened to somebody who was saying that uh, a caller that just called in, about the fact that Native Americans and Asians received reparations. I would like to know when. And I am really, really, I'm sorry, tired of hearing about how badly black people were treated in slavery. Native Americans were slaves long before any black people came on these shores. They Today, there are reservations they're living on. They don't have running water. That is a fact. Pine Ridge Reservation 
in South Dakota, poorest area in the entire country. These Native Americans ask nothing and have gotten nothing. Somebody said to me once, well, they have casinos. Do you know that the money that's made at casinos is actually taxed by the government? It's not. There are so many reservations and so many Native American tribes throughout this country get no help. Absolutely no help. It's just, no. it's just an impossible situation, Ann. Everybody, you know, uh, uh, everybody from 225 years ago that didn't have things the way they were supposed to, that society wasn't equal like it should, I don't think you can give retribution 400 years or 225 years later. And then next thing you know, the next generation go, well, I, they, you know, my previous generation spent the money for reparations. I, I want more reparations. And it's still not equal enough. And the thing is, there's somebody who is going around in our society looking to divide us on ethnic backgrounds. And I'll give you an example. I was reading this story this morning, and we're going to have this columnist on. Do you know Europe is scared to death of this whole wokeism going over to Europe? It used to be the opposite. You know, they used to, uh, we used to have to make sure that the European socialistic tendencies did not bleed over here. Now they're watching what's happening with this ethnic polarization and this gender polarization. And I think this great story was, I think France won the World Cup um, uh, uh, eight years ago. And Trevor Noah made the comment, it looked like Africa won the World Cup. And France got offended. And they said, no, they're French. Just because most of them are of African descent, I guess, I didn't look at the roster, they said, we're French. We don't look at color. We don't look at gender. We're French. We want to keep it that way. Germans, we're British. And if we're going to keep dividing each other, go, well, listen, I'm, I'm an African-American. Okay, that's good. To, I'm Italian-American. I'm Italian-Irish-American. I'm, I'm a Jewish-American. Let's put American first because that's the way most people see each other. Walter, KKLO, Kansas. Hey, Walter. Hey, Brian, how are you? Love your show. You know, all this reparations talk, I'm a black man. I vote conservative, Republican mainly. And the, the dirty little secret that nobody wants to talk about is slavery started over in Africa. If, we, if, if those African tribes that were warring with the other ones didn't capture them and sell them to the Europeans to bring them over here, we wouldn't have that. And when we're talking about reparations, if we're going to give blacks reparations— what about the thousands of white men who died on the battlefield in the Civil War to free us? Where's their reparations? 400,000. You know, it's, it was unbelievable, the bloodbath, and the think our country survived that. And we executed Reconstruction terribly. We got through it. Then we get through the 60s. And I think as a country, we start moving up and we become this economic and military superpower. And now everyone hates it. We all hate ourselves now. Now America hates America. Or we're protesting in the street and taking statues down and names off buildings because nobody's good enough for America in America. It's unbelievable. We used to watch things burn or the American flag burning overseas and go, what do people have against us? Now they watch us and they're making fun of us. China is making fun of us. Russia is mocking us. How did that happen? You know, I, I understand when people are resentful and angry, but I didn't think mocking. And the thing is, they actually have something to go on. We had a leader just haphazardly just go, he's a killer and he has no soul to the Russian leader. And they go, OK, let's have a debate. Number two, with China, they're watching all these protests that are taking place here. They're seeing our statues and our past come down and they're going, they have no pride in their past. We don't have to worry about them. 
They're not even going to fight. They're not even going to stand up for themselves because they don't even like their country. That's the intel they get. That's what they get from the outside. And our political rhetoric has gotten so heated. Uh, people on the outside watching this are under the belief we're coming apart, we hate our own country, and we won't stand up and fight for it. Hasn't stopped people from trying to stream into the country or get into the country. Granted. I have news for you. Still the best country, best opportunity, great history. Ramon, listening in Georgia. Hey, Ramon. Hey, Brian. Hey, Brian, real quick, um, I was sharing with your producer guy there real quick. Yeah, the um, Japanese, as you know, got $20,000 during the Pearl Harbor situation. Japanese-American citizens, even if they were not in uh, Japan for the um, atomic bomb attack. And your producer guy asked me, um, do I believe that blacks should have reparations? And the answer is yes, but it's, it's touchy now. I agree with you. Yeah, we're generations later. It's touchy. We have to work it out because most of us have been so, uh, let's say, pimped out in our minds that we wouldn't even know what to do with the funds. So we have to do some things in terms of land, and um, there has to be resources, financial literacy in place. It's very touchy because you can give a person $100,000. It can lead to their death if they wouldn't know what to do with it. So it's very touchy. We have to do it with love and, and care. But I love you. Thank you. All right, Ramon, uh, 1-864-08-7669. A little while, I'm going to go on with Stuart Varney, and then I'll try to squeeze in some calls on the other side. People are wanting to talk about this. Uh, and, of course, uh, with, uh, with what I'm going to be talking about with Stuart Varney, he was talking about what's happening at the border. Who doesn't? Everybody does. In fact, Griff Jenkins is being detained. He was going to join us now, but he's covering this story. So we'll try to get him at a different hour or, or tomorrow. But as things picked up, he thought there was a chance it was going to happen. And, in fact, uh, it did happen. Then he was pulled back, and we'll probably see him on the air shortly. But what I found astounding about what's going on uh, with reparations in Illinois, I think this is only going to get bigger because people benefit from it. uh, And I just don't think there's a dollar value that's ever going to match up. And I think that if you go back in the past and you say, well, wait a second, Um, you know, the Japanese during uh, when they were detained – uh, when for no reason in World War II because people feared that they might have uh, alliances with now our enemy after Pearl Harbor, Japan, uh, they were given uh, some money. That was a time in their generation directly to them. And then after 200-plus years, the um, you want to write a big check. And I don't even think it ends there. After the big check, well, I want you a little bit more. Well, that's not it. In today's dollars, and, and it's still not equal. They're already abusing what's happening on with our curriculum. I just think it's a it's a terrible thing. You learn about our past, we grow from it, and we see the progress we made. We'll be talking about that a lot in the coming weeks for sure. But when we come back, I'll be on with Stuart Varney, and we'll be talking about what's happening at the border, and then we're going to expand it from there. When are, the, when's the, when are we going to get Joe Biden down there? This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't go anywhere. Brian Kilmeade will be right back. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Now, the Brian Kilmeade Show joins Fox Business's Varney and Company with Stuart Varney. Live on your radio and on Fox Business, here's Brian Kilmeade. You know, it's interesting. The President of the United States wants to talk about his $1.9 trillion, which raises popularity a few points for now because he's got all that money, all these programs and all these Democratic states. But no one's doing it. 
when he goes today to Ohio, they're going to talk about uh, if he does talk to the press, and he might probably not, unless he wants to talk about the shooting, the horrific shooting that killed 10 yesterday in Colorado. And there's a press conference going on right now. But everyone's going to talk about the border crisis. And it's not my opinion. It's fact. Watch what all the other channels are covering. Let's go with Stuart Varney now. And you know what that means? That means Brian Kilmeade joins us. All right. Brian, Vice President Harris, we've been showing our viewers all morning, she laughed when it was suggested that she might want to go to the border. After she laughed, she went on to blame President Trump for the what's going on at the border, saying they were left with a very challenging situation. How long can they keep blaming President Trump for this? I don't think anyone's buying it. You know what I do, Stuart, is I flip around and I watch those Sunday shows. I mean, my goodness, ABC came to this story from the border. They did a whole hour on it, at which time that wasn't flying. Mayorkas, the the secretary, the Homeland Security secretary, he kept saying it. And it's a joke. And he wasn't really pressed on it until our own Chris Wallace made him defend it, and he couldn't. I mean, think about what this guy has done and see what the president has done. He had the 100-day moratorium where no more deportations. What signal is that sending? Don't forget what he also did. He got rid of a halted part of Title 42. Now minors can stay in the U.S., which is a ghost sign for every minor to come to the U.S. If they have a note in their pocket, they get to stay. A note in their pocket with an address. Maybe your address will pop up on that. And worse is this third country. So if you step into a country from Guatemala to the next country, you have to apply to go to the U.S. from there. You do that and stop building the wall and say what Joe Biden said when he was a candidate. Then your next thing you know, you have thousands streaming in with your T-shirt and logo on it. That is not Donald Trump's fault. It's the moral hypocrisy that drives me up the wall, Brian. I mean, nobody gives a damn, excuse my language, but they don't care about those children. They don't care. They were political pawns. They've served their purpose, and now forget about them. Dismiss them. That's terrible. It is terrible. And by the way, Axios was given pictures by Democratic Congressman Henry Cuellar, who showed that these kids are in this thing. They're in pens, not cages. They were never in cages. The pictures we saw were from President Obama's era, but they were divided from adults because we thought that was beef for their protection. But they were overrun. Border was overrun, no question. It's overrun now. But they're trying to keep cameras away, saying the pandemic is the reason. It's okay to pack these kids right next to each other, but I'm worried about the press bringing in the virus. Are you kidding? The Ted Cruz is going down to create hell uh, on the border today. There's a re- you got to show Good. us exactly what's happening there, and it's only going to get worse unless they address it. Do you think Joe Biden's going to get that question today as he goes to Ohio to take a bow after he jammed that $1.9 trillion down all our throats? He better get that question. Because uh, he has to have an answer for it, and he needs a program to stop it. You're a New Yorker. I want your comment on Governor Cuomo and what he had to say to a female reporter. Watch this again, please. I'm not going anywhere, darling. Is he going to ride this out, Brian? He's going to try, and it's up to the FBI and the attorney general to do real investigations and find out what's there. I mean, eight accusers. You have one is still working for him or working in the government. And number two is I'm very disturbed by the fact that uh, one of the accusers uh, said that the, their attorneys were being talked to and people on the staff were being talked to, having attorneys walk through there and kind of brief some workers about what their options are and want to go into the meetings with the attorney general, even if they're virtual. 
I think that's manipulating a little bit, and it certainly upset the attorneys of the accusers. And then you have the nursing home, which will be investigated by the FBI as well. You know, and the New Jersey governor and the Michigan governor in some trouble, as well as the Pennsylvania governor. But the cockiness and swagger uh, make me believe that he has no intention of stepping aside because he doesn't have any self-awareness. His arrogance won't allow it. And keep in mind, too, just to use that term, darling, which is exactly a, the condescending tone many people would say is towards women that they that they claim is taking place constantly in his office for the last 18 years. To go ahead and do that on the streets in New York is unbelievable. It's brash. But the it polls is. show he's still popular enough to stay in. It's not overwhelming yeah, to get yeah, him out. That's it. Cheer up, Brian. The mayor of New York City says office workers will return to New York City starting May the 3rd. Cheer up, lad. Cheer up. Everything's yeah. going to be all right. Yeah. We'll see you later, Brian. Go Thanks get for him, being Stuart. here today. Thank you. Got it. one 408 Let's go and talk to, out to Ocala, Ocala in Florida where Shepard is. Hey, Shepard. Yes, good morning, Brian. Uh, as a Jewish man, I'd like to know where is my compensation from the Egyptian government? Those pyramids didn't build themselves. Where is my compensation from the German government? I'll take 25 cents for every Jew that was marched into the gas chambers. Where is my compensation for all of the Jewish students in the 20s, 30s, and 40s who were denied access to U.S. universities because they did better than the average student? Where is my compensation for pain and suffering when I came outside and found a swastika painted on my car? Where is my compensation? You know, I'm sorry to say these people that want reparations, they're not the only ones who have suffered down through history. Now, I know I'm being ridiculous here. I don't want anything except the chance to earn my own way. Yes, slavery happened. Get over it. Um, All I could say is it's impossible to financially or otherwise compensate every group that uh, has been wronged or the justice, everything you reign. I know you're being sarcastic and facetious, but everything you said happened. Everything you said happened. But America moves on, we're better for it, and then we become a better country every year. And I thought that was the point. It's not to look back and apologize for what we are. You look back and see the things that we, what, what we've become from where we are. So we did a lot of great things, too, along the way. So I I just find it unbelievable that it's come to this, and now reparations have begun, and this is based on that story in Chicago because of housing discrimination took place in the last century in the 1920s to not those people but to the generations that followed. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian, thanks so Kill much for listening, me. everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show coming to you from New York, heard around the country. In fact, heard around the world. The bottom of the hour, professor of law at the University of Tennessee. He wrote a great column about uh, the ways to defeat woke tyrants, and most of them are taking place. Those tyrants are located in the U.S. He's going to be joining us shortly uh, and tell us the best way to win the culture fight. Uh, and then we have Chris Christie, who's going to be joining us in a matter of moments. So let's get to the big three. 
Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Something I couldn't do because of COVID all of 2020 was going to Disney World. And so now that I'm fully vaccinated and it's 2021, I'm going. It's happening. All right, coming out of COVID, schools are taking action on the new CDC guidelines and putting more kids back into the classroom. New York City went back yesterday at the high school level. People are getting back to the gym to lose that quarantine 15, and some gym owners saying it's busier than ever. What about you? Are you getting back to normal? And if so, how do you expect to lose that 15? Number two. On the president's interview, uh, he said on taxes that anybody making more than 400000 will see a small to a significant tax increase. Did he mean individuals or households? Families. Okay, a little bit of a difference. Is it hard to swallow the $1.9 trillion? Try three, maybe $4 trillion. That's how much the new so-called infrastructure bill President Biden plans on offering. And you guessed it, jammed down Republican throat without GOP support. And oh yeah, a lot of tax hikes. Number one. And I'll tell you the most astonishing part of it is the Biden administration is enforcing a total blackout on the press. The Biden administration wants to hide from the crisis that is unfolding on the southern border. They want to hide from the humanitarian crisis. Uh, That is Ted Cruz who's going down to create havoc at the border because they will not let any of the press in, even do a ride along because they want to hide the fact that there are thousands of uh, unaccompanied minors and over just about a thousand who have been there more than 72 hours. And it's getting worse at the border. So far, the president has been disinterested when asked about it. What's it going to take to stop the stream? Joining us now, Governor Chris Christie. Governor, we always talk about the border out of control, but I've never seen anything like this. What's your take? Well, listen, this is what happens when you put a uh, open sign at the border um, all during a campaign. Um, Believe me, as you know, presidential campaigns are watched not just in this country, but all over the world. And Joe Biden made it very clear in Kamala Harris that anybody who wanted to come across the border was going to be able to come across the border. Um, They were going to completely reverse the Trump administration, um, you know, policies. And so I don't know why they're the least bit surprised and why they weren't prepared for this, because, um, you know, you've got these people who've been hearing their rhetoric and they made the, the, the poor people trying to cross the border made the uh, mistake of actually believing uh, President Biden and Vice President Harris. So what do you say about a, uh, I feel bad for Jen Psaki because she's got no message that's going to be effective. If a child comes to the border with a note in their pocket with an address of a family member, they get to stay and we send them there. What, do you, what kind of message is that for every other young man, young man or woman stuck in these countries where they believe America presents a better opportunity? Well, again, it it says that there's no rule of law when it comes to immigration, that the laws that we have on the books are being totally disregarded. But it's humane, Uh, Governor. You got to do the humane thing. Don't you like children? Yeah, I love children. I got four of them myself and and, have coached a lot of them over the years. Um, But one of the things I always teach them is they have to follow the rules. Um, And that's what we should be uh, setting as a country. If Joe Biden wants to try to change the immigration rules to make them different, uh, he's got a majority in the House. He's got a slim majority in the Senate. Let him try to do whatever it is he wants to do and see if he can. But this just disregarding the law sends an awful message to the rest of the world um, and to people who are playing by the rules. I hear you. I want you to hear for people listening at home saying, well, 
Uh, Governor Christie uh, didn't vote for Joe Biden, so they, he's against his policy. Just so you know, this isn't your idea that you think they're coming here because of Joe Biden. They're wearing his T-shirt, and they said this to Martha Raddatz through an interpreter. Some say the new president gave them hope for a life in America. Why did you decide to come now? To take advantage of the opportunity that the president has given to the people from, from, from Central America to come with their families. Would you have tried to do this when Donald Trump was president? Definitely not. So did you come here because Joe Biden was elected president? Basically. Basically. Uh, the main thing was the violence in my country. And the second thing, I think, was Joe Biden. You know, uh, right. is like- so is that ABC, that, that company you work for, ABC, are they so anti-Biden that they'll pull any illegal immigrant up and put a microphone in front of them? No, I'm sure they, they talked to many of them who were saying the same thing or even more clearly than that. And, you know, you know Barack, Obama, Barack Obama used to love to say elections have consequences. And what we're seeing at the border are the consequences of this election. What we're seeing um, with $1.9 trillion in spending are the consequences of this election. What we're seeing with a $3 trillion proposal on infrastructure that's on the front page of the Wall Street Journal today um, are the consequences of this election. And, and let's remember this, Brian, they're the consequences of how we failed in Georgia. Because if we hadn't failed in Georgia, almost none of this would be happening. Just win one election. And, and Purdue had a two-point lead uh, in the first yep. election before the runoff. All you had to win is Correct. one. Correct. And, and we didn't win because we didn't focus on the candidates. We looked in the rearview mirror, and we talked about nothing but the presidential election rather than the senatorial election, and that's why we lost. So you blame the president for that loss? Absolutely. Um, I want you to hear what Kamala Harris's reaction was in Jacksonville yesterday when asked about the border. Do you plan to visit the border? Uh, um, not today. <laughs> but um, I have before, and I'm sure I will again. Is there anything will- funny about that, Governor? No, there's nothing funny about it. That's the uncomfortable laughter of someone who doesn't have a, an excuse for why she's not there and not trying to do something. Um, and, and they often do that, uh, Democrats. Um, they laugh when they don't have an answer um, and uh, try to make a joke. There's nothing funny about what's happening to those people from Central America who have been lured here by Vice President Harris's rhetoric and President Biden's rhetoric. So you, I know you've seen the pre- – uh, have you spoken to the president since Georgia? Since Georgia. Uh, the answer is no, not since Georgia. Okay, are you guys on speaking terms? Or? Yes, but you know we just haven't, you know we haven't spoken about anything we needed to talk about. I hear you. Uh, so, are you think it's a good move for the president to be speaking out so much? Some people are uh, uh, are critical. They're saying you know former presidents shouldn't be um, doing podcasts and television networks interviews. Listen, I think the president has the right to do. Uh, president Trump has the right to do whatever it is he wants to do. Um, and I don't he's never followed the rules of traditional presidencies, not while he was in the presidency. And I certainly didn't think he would follow them when he left. Um, that's just his personality and the way he is. And so he has the right to do and say, like any other American, whatever he wants to do or say. Um, I, I hope that what we focus on is the mistakes that this administration is making and the opportunities that Republicans will have 
um, to try to reverse these things um, as we come up to the 2022 elections next year. So do you think the fact that he's speaking out so much, knowing that you, as well as you know him, that, that means like he's probably running? No, I don't think it means anything like that necessarily. I don't think the president's anywhere near making that kind of decision. But I do think that he misses the public interchange. You know, when you are the center of attention for nearly five years um, and it stops and it stops immediately, um, that's kind of a hard thing to get used to. I suspect that he um, still has opinions and views that he wants to express. And so he's going to express them. Now, you are right, Brian, that lots of uh, previous presidents have not done it that way. But I don't think any of us should be surprised that Donald Trump's going to be a little bit different. Because he does have a shot to run again. And outside Bush 41, who wanted to retire, uh, no one really needed to stay in the fray. But maybe he, maybe that's part of being, if you want to be Grover Cleveland, you got to stay active for four years. Um, I'm sure that's part of it. I'm it, sure that's part of it. It's about keeping your options open. With, with your legal background, I'm sure you, if you've had a chance to look in, at any uh, depth in the, the, some of the legal challenges of the president, I'm wondering how worried should he be? Well, listen, I don't think it's ever comfortable when you have people with subpoena authority in law enforcement investigating you. I don't think anybody should feel comfortable um, at that moment. So I'm sure that the president is uncomfortable about what's happening. Um, And I don't think anybody should feel secure about it until those investigations are complete and the prosecutors make their decisions. Having been in that position um, for seven years as the U.S. attorney in New Jersey, I can tell you that whatever people think they know publicly, they probably know a fraction of what the prosecutors actually know. So speculating makes no sense. Um, But if I were the president, anytime there's an open investigation, criminal investigation into you and members of your family, it's not a comfortable feeling. Here's what the president said are the people to look for in your party. Cut 18. Well, I think we have a lot of people. We have a lot of young, good people. Ron DeSantis is doing a really good job in Florida. And I think Josh Hawley has, has shown some real uh, courage in going a- after big tech. Uh, you know, uh, somebody that's been really terrific is Ted Cruz. Rand Paul has been great. Uh, Sarah Huckabee is going to do great in Arkansas. Christy Nome has done a terrific job. A lot of a uh, lot of very good people, really very good people. The Republican Party is stacked. What do you think of that list? And are you disappointed you're not on it? Uh, listen, I think that list will change week to week. Let's remember something. Um, I've been around the president long enough to know when he hated Ted Cruz, um, you know, called his wife ugly and said his father had something to do with the Kennedy assassination. Um, And and I remember standing on stage as he mocked Rand Paul and any number of times during his presidency did the same thing. Um, I remember when he was angry at Ron DeSantis during during COVID in March and April and May of, of, of 2020. Um, and so, you know, you listen to that list, and, and I know the president well, and I know that, that list will change depending upon what each of those people say and do over the course of the next number of years. And so, um, uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not the least bit disappointed to be on that list because then there's an expectation that you stay there. Um, and I think that's always a very difficult thing to do um, with the president. Do you, I mean, uh, Governor, when are you going to decide if you want to give this thing another run? After the midterms? Yeah, not until after the midterms, uh, Brian. You know, you, you have to see what happens in those midterms. And and um, and plus, you know, for for anybody right now, 
it's um, still very difficult to, to travel around the country and to meet people and talk to folks and get their feel of, of what they might want you to do as well and get their input. So I think we're going to be in a much better position this summer to start to do that um, and then, you know, be able to make decisions after the midterms. I don't think there's a need to make any decision uh, before that. Do you miss having that, uh, making all those decisions that affect so many that, uh, you know, you don't do it for the money to be a governor? So do you no. miss having that power? I miss having the ability to wake up every morning and know that you've got an opportunity to do something really great. And, and government gives you that unique opportunity to affect the lives of so many people in a positive way. So there's no doubt I miss that. And I miss, you know, the decision-making process of being surrounded by really smart people um, who give you the best information um, and then look to you to make the decisions. Um, I always found that exhilarating, whether it was at the U.S. Attorney's Office or whether it was in the governor's office. Um, and so, you, of course, you miss that. But, you know, I'm also finding lots of things that are interesting in the private sector to do as well and gratifying. Um, so I'm certainly not unhappy. But if you ask, do I miss those things? Sure you do, because once once you get a chance to do that, um, you realize just how rewarding it is. And plus, you live in somebody else's house for free, and it's usually nice. <laughs> you know, Brian, I, we never lived in that house. Um, we never lived in, 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 the, in the governor's mansion because our children were all up in school in the northern part of the state, and we wanted to try to keep their lives as normal as possible. So we never lived there. We would entertain there from time to time, and I do work there from time to time. But we, in the eight years, we never wound up living there. Right. It was as normal as anybody who had a dad who was governor who ran for president. Besides that, he's like any other dad. Um, exactly. <laughs> uh, governor, I, I'm really excited for you. I know what a Met fan you are. And now you join the Mets board. Your son's been working there since 2018. What does that mean to you? What, what does this do for your job description? Number one, does it mean you have to watch every game? It, uh, well, I pretty much watch every, almost every game anyway, Brian. So the, the, job won't, the job won't change my viewing habits. Um, over the summer. And, and I think, you know, listen, I've been a Mets fan for 53 years. Um, I went to my first game when I was um, six years old. And, you know, so to be now a guy who used to go and buy tickets at the window at Shea Stadium and sit up in the mezzanine deck and, and watch the games with my dad, um, you know, um, I, I, it's amazing to have the chance to be on the board. And I'm really grateful to Steve and Alex Cohen for asking me to be on the board. And I look forward to trying to help make the Mets the best team they possibly can be. And for the first time in 35 years, bring a world championship back to, uh, to the Mets franchise. You remember the last guy that had a powerful position on a baseball team was George W. Bush. He ended up being president. Are you thinking about that at all? Of course. Who wouldn't <laughs> be thinking about it? Of course. Absolutely. Um, and I hope I'm more successful than the former president on the baseball side of things. Um, but if I decide to run just as successful as he was on the political side. And you actually hooked up with an owner that wants to spend that doesn't have Bernie Madoff hanging over his head. So I think you, you jumped on the right board at the right time with the right team. Uh, Governor, I think oh, you're right. <laughs> I think you're right. Go, <laughs> Go get him. Thanks, Governor. Talk to you soon. Thanks for having me on, Brian. Good to speak to you. The same here. When we come back, your turn. one 408 And then in about 10 minutes, how do you beat the woke tyrants? I'll tell you. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first, only on the Brian Kilmeade Show. 
It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Health and Human Services doesn't take this unaccompanied kids, then Border Patrol uh, is just forced to stay with the kids for a longer period of time. Uh, And that's why we are seeing those packed facilities. They're not moving them out fast enough under Health and Human Services. And on top of that, the reason these pictures are important to show how packed they are, uh, somewhere close by that same weekend, uh, there were about 150, 150 uh, people that were released without a notice to appear. To me, that's unprecedented. How do you release somebody to the country uh, without a notice to appear? Do you understand how crazy this is? No notice to appear. We know they're not going to show up anyway, but there's not even in the system to chase them down. Yeah, I saw that other guy. He came from Honduras. Go get him in his six months. Brenda, listen on WHIO in Dayton, Ohio. Hey, Brenda. Good morning, Brian. I love your show. Thank you. My point, the point that I wanted to make this morning was with President Biden signing all these executive orders, um, there really isn't any accountability at all. It's like monopoly money to them. So they're spending our money, other people's money. And I think the solution is to shine a light on whoever's behind all these decisions, because not only do they not have any financial accountability for what they're doing, but they don't have any moral accountability because nobody knows who's doing it. It's and Ron if we Klain. shine a light on who's doing this. The chief of staff is putting uh, together all these spending programs. Joe Biden's just signing them, Brenda. That's right. And also, what about what about protecting our populace and letting all these people in? That's against his oath of office. There's so much there. I'm really counting on these attorney generals to put these decisions through the ringer, the constitutional question, and make sure we get that XL pipeline built. Make sure H.R. 1, if it does pass, this gets kicked to the curb because it's unconstitutional, as well as this deportation and everything else that's happening at the border. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Thanks for the call, Brenda. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Like, if I tweet or hashtag about how you didn't do something right or used the word wrong verb or then I can sit back and feel pretty good about myself because, man, you see how woke I was? I called you out. <laughs> that's not that's not activism. That, that's not bringing about change. Uh, that is even the president of the United States, the former president of the United States, uh, Barack Obama, obviously, talking about how this whole wokeism thing is not even attractive to many on the left. And you're going to hear some more sound bites from that. But an article caught my attention, and it should. Glenn Reynolds wrote it. He's a professor of law, steam law, at the University of Tennessee. And he wrote, and here's the headline, to defeat woke tyrants, which they are, the rest of us must treat them like the monsters they are. Mr. Br- uh, Glenn, welcome back. 
Hey, thanks for having me again. So, so Glenn, first off, what made what makes you think that this is a problem? Uh, you said that you write in your column that's only three percent of the population who have this severe belief, this extreme belief. Why is this such a problem? If such a small percentage are causing so much of an uproar? Well, that's that's the problem. Uh, you know, uh, I quote Nassim Taleb, who says that three to four uh, percent, if they're intolerant, can change a whole society, and that's exactly what they're trying to do. Uh, and they do it partly by taking advantage of other people's good nature. You know, Americans don't want people to be unhappy. Uh, we want to try to accommodate to make people happy. And then they do the rest by bullying, uh, which is that 3 to 4% in a nation of over 300 million people is a lot of people if they pile on you. Uh, and it's made worse by the fact that most of our institutions are run by gutless cowards who uh, cave the minute uh, they start to get some angry tweets. And you say you, you have to be very brutal with these, uh, with these 3%. These aren't great people. No, what, what they want us to think, and what I think a lot of people even go along with thinking is that, you know, if there's anything wrong with them, it's just that they, they care too much. They're too idealistic, too empathetic, too eager to make the world a better place. But they're not. They're actually horrible, awful people. Uh, it's not the good guys historically who are out there burning books and censoring speech. It's not caring people who go trying to destroy people's lives based on something they said years ago, maybe when they were a teenager and usually out of context. It's not good people who take undisguised glee in ruining people's lives and even the lives of their families and friends. It's horrible, awful, selfish people, probably people with mental problems, who see this as the right way to be. And if you want to know that it's a serious problem for our country, you've got me and Barack Obama on the same page. That doesn't happen all that often. (laughs) I want you to hear somebody else who's not on the same page with you, I imagine. That's Brian Stelter and Bill Maher. Listen to them. Enough is enough. This is not all about left and right. And perhaps as a standard of inoffensive perfection, it's impossible to meet. No one wins in the purity wars. No one wins. Not just what you do now what you do now, it's anything you've ever done. Not just what you say, what you say. It's what now what you listen to, they can get you for that. So that's just a little of Bill Maher's monologue. There's nobody more left-wing than Bill Maher who has more uh, horrible things to say about people on the right. But something happened. I think they were targeting people on the right, Glenn, and now they're hitting people on the left, and they don't like it. Yeah, how about that? How did it happen? Uh, well, you know, for one thing, you, you find the woke culture at its worst, basically, in Hollywood and in academia and nowadays uh, in, in a lot of corporations. Uh, and uh, those people, since the only people there, like if you say you work at the New York Times, uh, you're a crazy woke person who likes to do bad things to people to feel good about yourself. So you're, you want to really screw somebody and really you know, go after them. But everybody around you is also a leftist. So that's who you go after. It's kind of interesting because you know, they talk about, well, they want to label Republicans as racist and uh, only a party for the rich. And next thing you know, it's Jimmy Kimmel that's uh, suspending himself for, for a summer because he was caught multiple times with blackface. And it was Jimmy Fallon on a skit for the SNL that he was told to do that he had to apologize for blackface. It was Justin Timberlake who had to apologize for not being a good boyfriend to Britney Spears. So next thing you know, I'm sitting there watching this sideshow of Hollywood destroying each other. 
it would be amusing if it weren't dragging down the rest of society with it. Uh, the proper response to this sort of thing is not to apologize. It's not to say, oh, dear, I should have been more aware. I should have understood more. I should have been more caring and empathetic. Uh, the proper response comes in a line from the movie Smokey and the Bandit, which is, do the letters F-O mean anything to you? Uh, I understand. And you say, but, you know, Glenn, you have to have the University of Tennessee stand behind you. I have to have Fox stand behind me. Uh, Goldman Sachs has to have people stand behind them. Their CEO was called. He was too tough on his employees. And the CEO was called out. And the CEO goes, tough. I'm going to be just as tough because this is a demanding time and we have to produce for our clients. So you have to have people in power stand up for people that are staring down the barrel of this woke police. Don't you agree? Absolutely. And I have to say, if you're opposed to the woke police, one of the ways you make it easier for the people in power to do this is by going after them if they don't. Uh, right now, most of the pressure, basically all the pressure comes from one side. Uh, and uh, we're now starting to see a little pushback on this. For example, at the um, uh, University of San Diego, we have an absurd uh, kerfuffle where a professor there uh, referred to some propaganda coming out of the Chinese government as, uh, I think it was Chinese cod swallop or something like that. And then some students and some other people other decided it was racist because he had the word Chinese in it, uh, even though he was obviously referring to the Chinese government. And uh, that they're trying to make a stink out of that. But this time they're getting a lot of pushback. Um, they're, they're getting pushback from faculty Good. at the University of San Diego Law School. They're getting pushback from outside organization. Uh, and there are a lot of people who are not only defending what Professor Smith did there, but also going after the dean, targeting him, complaining personally and using his name uh, in blog posts and things like that. Uh, his name is Dean Robert Shapiro of the University of San Diego Law School, by the way. Uh, and that's the way you beat it. Uh, if administrators, uh, corporate executives, such uh, tend to be kind of cowardly, generally. They're much more likely to do the right thing if it's expensive and unpleasant personally for them to do the wrong thing. I want you to hear Sarah Silverman, as left-wing as he gets, a big Bernie Sanders supporter. She's had it. And by the way, I don't know how comedians exist in this environment. They're built to shock. They're built to bend. They're built to insult people. Cut 34. It's the absolutist-ness of the party I am in that is such a turnoff to me. It's so f- elitist you know for something called progressive it allows for zero progress it's all or nothing i don't know that i want to be associated with any party it comes with too much baggage every party it comes with so much baggage that no ideas can be taken at face value and without ideas what are we am i bringing professor glenn reynolds to another uh, surprising uh, finish that you agree with Sarah Silverman? <laughs> I saw it from her, and she's totally right. You know, uh, th- there's nothing to argue with. Uh, I-, I think the way you're a comedian in these times is mostly by not being very funny. I mean, I happened to see an ad on TV a while back for Stephen Colbert bragging like it was exciting that they were going to have Senate Majority Leader Charles Schumer on. I was like, really? This is what? <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, it- <laughs> this is your exciting guest? I mean, that guy is lifeless. Uh, so I, it's just like they're, they're not very funny. They spout the party line. They, if they even dare suggest something otherwise, there's a stink, although a few of them are starting to stand up to it now. And they need to because the bottom line is 
Um, the woke crowd is a small minority of mostly people in sort of uh, semi-upscale but not very good-paying jobs like journalism who have too much time at their computers because they don't work very hard and need some way to make their empty lives and generally substandard right. personalities uh, seem better than they are. And that's why they do it. And the rest of the country hates it. You see poll up, minorities hate it, women hate it, rural people hate it, even Democrats and lefties, as you've shown here, basically hate it. It's only happening because we're letting a relatively small minority bully people into putting up with it. 62% of the country just uh, keep their views in check and to themselves because they don't want to uh, fear the ba- and they fear the backlash. I want to bring it to another area of your expertise, and that's education and how it's changing, especially in the woke culture that's in college campuses and even to, to our primary school system. It's not okay with the governor of Florida. Listen to Ron DeSantis. Our schools are supposed to give people a foundation of knowledge, not supposed to be indoctrination centers where you're trying to push specific ideologies. Let me be clear. There's no room uh, in our classrooms for things like critical race theory. Teaching kids to hate their country and to hate each other is not worth one red cent of taxpayer money. So goodbye, critical race theory and anti-American history class. Well, you know, we used to justify public education and, for that matter, higher education on the ground that it was supposed to promote critical thinking, open-mindedness, and good citizenship. Right now at Duke, there's a scandal, or I don't know what you call it, uh, somebody, anonymously, because they had a sense of self-preservation, posted a copy of George Floyd's toxicology report on a bulletin board. That's all. It's a public record, official document showing that when he died, he had methamphetamines, cannabinoids, and fentanyl in his system. The university is investigating this to find out who did it and treating them as if they're a criminal for doing so. Uh, it's, uh, it's disgraceful. And people are talking, oh, it's hurtful to expose us to this information. And it's like when it's hurtful to expose you to factual information, you don't belong at a university, and a university – that thinks people shouldn't be exposed to factual information they don't want to hear shouldn't exist. It's not a university already. I hear you. And what about this? Uh, This brought to my attention. The attorney for a would-be college freshman who was reportedly forced to withdraw from the University of Tennessee, Knoxville, after a former classmate posted a years-old social media clip of him uttering a racial epithet, uh, told the story that the client is remorseful for the video, but the college rushed to judgment. Um, So how do you feel about that? It's actually a her. She was uh, going to be on the, uh, the cheerleading squad or the dance team. Afterwards. It's a disgrace. It's a humiliation to my institution, and they should be ashamed of themselves. Uh, once again, you know, saying we're going to kick somebody out because of something they did when they were 50, uh, something came from a rap song, I think. Uh, and, and also that we're going to valorize some guy who admits publicly he sat around on this so he could ruin somebody's life. That guy's a terrible, horrible person. He should be shunned. If I were her, I'd sue him. Uh, and uh, I just think that, that the fact that anybody even acts like doing that sort of thing is all right when it's actually terrible, horrible behavior. It's the behavior of garbage people. And we should be telling people, don't be a garbage person. Be a normal human being because normal human beings don't do this. Right. And, and isn't it kind of sad that, that France and, the, and England are a warning – America, don't bring your woke culture here. In France, yeah, they're celebrating it's Napoleon. In, in, in Britain, they're, they're worried about the next time they're going to try to take down a Winston Churchill statue or plaque. 
Yeah, and Canada has also rejected American woke culture very publicly and with good reason. Uh, it, it's a toxic export. It's a, it's a terrible thing. Uh, and uh, we should be doing something to protect ourselves. The Chinese have a word uh, for it's baizuo, which basically means stupid white liberals uh, that they apply to the woke crowd. And uh, it's, it's, you know, the rest of the world doesn't respect this stuff. And they shouldn't respect this stuff because it's a mixture of mass hysteria and bullying. And it needs to be uh, brought to an end. And he and you say you got to confront it. This Professor Glenn Reynolds and uh, Professor, I want you to uh, listen to one doctor who says you know it's beyond social scorn. It could get worse. This was a doctor on CBS today. Discrimination causes us to feel excluded and rejected. And I think of this as a death by a thousand cuts. All these micro traumas layered upon each other causes a person in the long run chronic stress, which, if left unchecked, can lead to anxiety, depression, post-traumatic stress disorder, substance abuse. And because of this chronic sense of low self-worth can sometimes even lead to suicide. And we see that, right? I mean, you feel as though your life's ended, your... your, uh... Your acceptance to a major university gets rescinded. Uh, all of a sudden, you're no longer allowed to be editor of, of a major magazine because of something you did 10 years prior. I mean, you could see this whole thing spiraling. Uh, yeah, it is. And as I say, it's a species of mass hysteria. It's uh, you know the sort of thing we saw in the witch trials and, and various other episodes from time to time. Uh, those things eventually burn themselves out, usually when they start targeting powerful people, which is what's happening now. Uh, and that's why you're starting to see more pushback, uh, I think. But uh, it, it's awful human behavior. It's kind of like uh, that Shirley Jackson story, The Lottery, where the village chose one member at random to be stoned to death every year, uh, except instead they pick your tweets at random or something. Uh, Professor, we're going to talk to you again tonight on uh, Fox News primetime at 7. Uh, Professor Glenn Reynolds, the University of Tennessee, thanks so much for the time. Thanks for having me. You got it. Uh, back in a moment. Educating, entertaining, enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Just able to uh, to finish up a few things. Just got to remind you to watch tonight at 7 o'clock on uh, Fox News Primetime. Uh, it's going to go on for an hour on Fox News Channel. We've got a great uh, lineup. We're going to meet in about two hours. I'll give you the details and tweet it out. But for now, let's find out if there's indeed more to know. More to know. Sponsored by Oxford Gold Group. Call today to learn how you can protect your retirement and savings account. 833-600-GOLD. That's 833-600-GOLD. All right, here we go. Uh, first off, good news for NBC. They got a series that seems to have worked. The latest series is uh, by executive producers, dynamic duo of Tina Fey and Robert Carlock, uh, starring Ted Danson, Holly Hunter, uh, and Bobby Moynihan. Uh, they opened up to solid ratings, but they got better and better. They started out with a .6 in the demo and a 4.9. Now they have a huge demo at 2.43. Uh, they were a 509% increase. So it looks like one series, uh, which is called what? Mr. Mayor will be back for season two. Does that surprise you? No, but it looks like your alter ego is really going places. If you had control over an alter ego, what would you like to be doing? I, I, it's too personal. I have to move on. Thank you. What we fear most... The percentage who think that each is a critical threat to the vital interests of the United States, cyber terrorism, 80, uh, uh, 81% of Republicans fear that, as do Democrats. Economic power of China, 78% Republicans, 52% of Chinese. North Koreans, 77 and 76. Military power, 39 and 49. Military power of Russia. That was an unrevealing uh, a poll. I wish I never took it. 
Next, DoorDash provide on-demand delivery of COVID tests. Really? DoorDash is partnering with digital home companies Vault Health and Every uh, Everly Well for the initiative. It's going to be a saliva test uh, the for the collection kit. This is a great idea. Good job. Uh, take that, Uber Eats. Next, the Supreme Court has agreed to consider reinstating the death penalty for the Boston Marathon bomber. That's an uplifting story. Harvard students will live on campus and learn in person in the fall. Wow. Talk about taking risks. You should have been there all year. But if it's Harvard, they make the rules and they live a sheltered lifestyle. They haven't even played sports since. Can you imagine that? Meanwhile, the second House Democrat objects to overturning the Iowa congressional election, won by six votes by a Republican. It is ridiculous. It's a bad precedent. And Miller Meeks, uh, by the way, uh, her name is Marionette Miller Meeks, won that razor-thin victory in Iowa. She should keep the position she's already been sworn in. Apparently, if they, she can't afford to lose many more Democrat votes because she has a slim majority. Yeah, but tough. You don't do it this way. I agree. You can't agree. rip her out and put her in. Are you kidding? you got to poison the well. She's got an eight-seat advantage. And they seem to be all siding with it for the most part. Thanks so much for listening. See you tonight at 7. The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.